This is Amber. And this is Shannon. And you're listening to Twin Beats, the Chicken Fanatics podcast. It's fucking great. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, a big heartful hello and welcome to the Twin Twin Beaks Chicken Chicken Podcast, Podcast. episode 17. Thanks for listening. Let's see, today we've got a special guest on the show. We're going to talk about misconceptions and what makes good practice in chicken care. And uh, we've got a couple of interesting stories on the show to talk about um yeah we're gonna go into some dark places but it's important so we're gonna cover that and of course we've got a fun song for you guys at the end of the show too stay tuned for that uh let's start the show by doing our chicken update this week we do have some things to talk about yeah it's been kind of a bad week because as everybody knows we've been uh moving out to paradise california and it's about a few hours away from our home so my wonderful daughter has been watching all of our chickens for us and we're so lucky to have her doing that but um i received a phone call last night Um, about one of my hens, my favorite hen, Abigail. And um, she had been acting listless one night, and by the next day, it seemed that her legs weren't working. She couldn't stand. She was, her pupils were very dilated. She was really listless and, um, yeah, had trouble with her balance. So we were very concerned, but they um, brought her in the house gave her her own enclosure fed her and she seemed to be perking up and was um actually able to stand again so so one thing that we both immediately agreed on was that the described symptoms were consistent with some form of poisoning yeah it's also similar to merrick's disease though um she was vaccinated for that i've since learned that they can still get it and the vaccine is a temporary thing to help them build immunity when they're chicks and exposed to it um Mm, but there are some some things that um would lead me to believe it's not that um so we're we have our fingers crossed because there's no cure for that particular problem so if you remember back in one of our early episodes we talked about picking up chicks Mm -hmm. and um we said, you know, it's important to find out if you get them at the feed store or from wherever you get them to find out if they were vaccinated. And one mm-hmm. of the reasons we said that was because later on when stuff happens to your birds, you have a sort of process of elimination. Like it's pretty unlikely it's Marings disease because mm-hmm. they were all vaccinated for it. And yeah, mm-hmm. it does happen, but it's pretty improbable that they'd mm-hmm. get it once they were vaccinated. So You know, this sort of reinforces a couple of points that we've made on the show, this story. One, you know, find out if your birds were vaccinated Mm -hmm. uh, as for later use and process of elimination. And the other, make sure that your, the people that you uh, have sitting your birds, you know them and you know that they're capable because... You know, if we had just picked some clueless anybody to Coming watch the birds, a day. they might have not even noticed. And if they had, they might have not 
um, done anything and or they might have even done something wrong. So yeah. Yeah. fortunately, we had a good person there. Yeah, because of her care and attention, she was able to get the um, Abigail to eat some tuna with some some garlic and apple cider vinegar and get her to drink water. And it was a very strange thing. She has a um, very ravenous appetite, good appetite. She's very thirsty, but um, my daughter said it seemed as though she maybe it was having trouble seeing and couldn't quite find the food, but once she did, she was very, very, very thirsty. Temporary blindness is mm -hmm. consistent with several forms of poisoning. Yeah, and we do have daturas in our, um, or rather, brugmansias in our backyard, which have never been a problem, but it did cross my mind because the symptoms were pretty consistent with, um, you know, a poisoning of that plant, which typically it won't Man. kill you. Um, it's something that you go through that's very unpleasant, and you come, you know, work it out, get it out of your system and stuff. You so. leave for a week. And the chickens start doing drugs. <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's terrible. I didn't know it would be cause that much stress. Hey, listen, folks. I know I just said that. Don't tangle with Brugmansia. Yeah, it's not fun. It, a lot of people try to use it recreationally, but it actually, um, basically, it stimulates the part of your brain that um, will make you have visions of your ancestors and the dead and the underworld. Um, that's oh, yeah. Way to tell them to stay away from it. Guys, don't do Brugmansia. I don't know what that is. I'm not her. just saying that. That's um, oh my God. a real thing. And people use it to contact their ancestors, but that is not a light, light, fluffy thing. So a lot of times you see kids, you know, wanting to take this plant because they know you can get high, but it is not a fun recreational thing. It's a very serious it thing. It makes you horribly, horribly ill. Yes, that too. Horribly, horribly, it can horribly. Make it so you can't Ill. see for a few days. That that's you right. That, could have yeah, that's temporary what made me think of it. paralysis or coma. Okay. Um, yeah, don't mess let's, it. It's very let's bad. not rabbit trail off okay. on that. We're trying to discourage that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, <laughs> we have our suspicions about. Right, but it could have been something on. else. We don't know, and mm -hmm. we haven't seen the bird, so we are relying on someone else's accurate description. But you yeah. know, they could have eaten something else. Or yeah. so anyhow, that's our chicken update. So we I've been giving her charcoal, activated charcoal on the food and water, which will soak up. Your daughter has. My daughter, yeah, I've been advising you her. Give a special thanks to your daughter for. Oh my gosh, yes. Without her, I don't know if the chicken would still be alive. True. Yeah, she's really gone above and beyond to take care of Abigail, and it seems like she's getting better, so that's... Good news. That's very yeah. good news, yes. Yeah, so before we go into Amber's cabinet of curiosities, I'd like to uh, introduce our guest, just because everybody ought to know we've got someone in the room with us. Um this is my favorite chick, and by that I mean my only daughter, uh, Avia. Say hello, Avia. Hello. And um, why don't you uh, tell us a bit about what you do with your life? So uh, ever since I was young, I've always had a passion for livestock, whether that was hanging out with them, wanting to fix them. And uh, so last year, I actually got into UC Davis uh, as an animal science undergrad. So that's been what I eat sleep and breathe for the last year and uh, for a few more to come. Mm hmm. Yeah. Pretty intense stuff there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, the the animal classes really keep me going. Getting to spend lots of time with cows is really great and chickens. So, yeah, Avia, I'm, I'm 
her father, of course, so I can speak authoritatively for her, um, <laughs> um, has had a thing about cows for her entire life. I just, an unshakable thing. And she didn't get it from me, and she didn't get it from her mother. Uh, we really, nobody is quite sure where she got it from, except grandma had a cow, and she met the cow when she was really young, but there were a lot of animals, so that's kind of a curious thing. And it's kind of fun. Tell, tell people a bit about what you do when you're not doing that. Um, so when I'm not doing that, I, I kind of have this thing where I feel like I live two separate lives in the sense because everything I do tends to be really different. So uh, I'm super into livestock, and uh, when I'm not doing that, I actually uh, I model. That's kind of like my job. So I'm kind of going in between, you know, working with livestock, working with chickens, being covered in poop, and then, you know, doing really fancy, like, glamour modeling and the alt community, so, like, gothy stuff. Uh, and I'm really hoping to cross those worlds one day and, you know, get to do a photo shoot with my chickens. That'd be pretty fun. So for folks that might not know what alty is, that's <laughs> like, um, name a, name, can you like name a couple bands that look alty? Um, okay. Well, I listen to, um, ministry or you can just look up like industrial music. I really like that. Um, so you might, you might see, you know, like lots of black clothing, like tattoos, right. kind of like gothic, the piercing Victorian, you know, Renaissance yeah, and then punk too. So kind of all of that is my jam. All right, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, when you see those, um, punk girl models, just think, you know, maybe that girl really, really likes Scottish Highland cattle. <laughs> And spends like half of her week covered in That's manure. That's right. She spends yeah. the other half of her week when she's not wearing Shrine of Hollywood, you know, um, <laughs> or on a on a runway. She's yeah knee deep in cow manure and hugging the heck out of cows. Oh yeah, definitely. But you also like chickens. Oh, I love chickens. I right. uh, I've I've had quite a few chickens. I actually still have chickens. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you do have chickens. How yeah. many chickens do you have? Um, so right now there's four, um, and one of them is fairly recent, and uh, she is like my, my special favorite. Um, I call her uh, Her Majesty is how you would refer to her. Well, that's as it should be. We should call yes. all of our chickens, <laughs> except the roosters. They don't like that. Um, her Majesty. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> Um, the rooster right. would just like you to call him God. Basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell us about them. Um, so they're really fun. Sadly, uh, they're not super like social, but um, mm. you know that's okay. Are I, they goth? Um, only mine. Mine is. They don't like, like to hang out with yeah. people. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of uh, an interesting situation. So I have these um, chickens at actually my my mom's house, and but I have one, and basically help take care of. You know the the coop when I come over, and that's kind of you know my chicken rent, you could say, uh -huh. uh, just because you know I'm living in an apartment for for school. I can't really, you know, I mean I guess I could find an apartment where I could have chickens. That'd be pretty great. Just they have apartments where where you can have chickens. I mean, not yet, maybe. Well, not with that attitude. One day, <laughs> one day society will progress. Yeah. All right. So later we're going to talk to you about some of the stuff that you've been learning about the poultry industry and oh, yeah. uh, best practices for taking care of birds. But first, what we do in the show is a segment called Amber's Cabinet of Chicken Curiosities. And we have a few things we're going to cover in the cabinet. So, Amber, what's yes. inside? Let's take a peek inside the chicken cabinet of curiosities. Ah, hmm. and 
if you Avia want to interject anything, uh, just you know, holler out. Put your finger up in the air. Hold, just just let us know. Yeah. Yes, pinky up. So first off, an interesting new development. We will now be getting processed poultry from China. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's new. Um, previously here in the U.S. Here in the U.S. Yes, and um, it's not exactly clear or. Um, you know, determined what kind of farming practices they're going to be using over there. And, um, you know, that's a long ways away. It's a crazy, crazy thing to have um, chicken shipped all the way from China. So, yeah. Presumably it's frozen. Yeah, all the chicken is frozen when it's shipped back here. And the really strange thing is that the chicken isn't actually grown in China, from what I understand. We grow it here in the U.S., um, kill the chickens, and then send it to China for processing and then they do that freeze it and send it back to us which sounds just kind of cuckoo um, you think well how are you even going to save money doing that that seems crazy but um, I guess it's kind of like a trade deal where China started accepting our our beef and so we're accepting at least their processing of the chicken um, even though I guess the USDA had investigated some of the factories and practices there and deemed that they weren't quite safe enough to have them be raising the chickens and just shipping them here. But I guess they're trying to work on it, getting it up to standards. And until then, they are um, allowed to process the poultry and send it back to us. And for them, that would be an advantage in, in that it would get their foot in the door as far as a poultry, the poultry industry and um, having some sort of trade with America. But yeah, so that, that's the funniest thing about it is that the chicken isn't even raised there. <laughs> right, so this is gonna be relevant to people that are raising uh, poultry for profit is, you know, imports are gonna put downward pressure on prices locally, mm-hmm. which means, you know, um, give up on farming chickens. No, no, it doesn't mean that. What it means is that you have to distinguish your product mm-hmm. and come up with ways to, you know, add value to your product, sh- to show the value of your product, and yeah. to just set it apart from uh, chicken from China. Yeah, it could really be an asset, actually, because the difference between the poultry that's raised in America right now and then the organic chicken farmer, um, you know, the difference between that isn't so great as the difference between something coming from halfway across the world. It could actually make, um, I, I would kind of expect a, an uptick in um, people's concern over what kind of chicken product they would be buying. Yeah. So it could be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense to me. Rightly or wrongly, I mean, mm-hmm. people sort of have this image that China is just like this vast has this vast wasteland of smoke belching factories Mm -hmm. where anything goes and oh my god china it's the dark closet of industry lack of regulations that's not really how it is right i mean they have somebody's checking the chicken right yeah they do have regulations there and the usda inspectors have gone over there to see if it's 
you know, if they think it's okay for them to process these chickens from Canada and America, um, and they have to be cooked, and then they can be, you know, sent back. Um, the, the funny thing is, is the articles also state that China will have to verify that the chickens are from U.S. or Canada, but there's not going to be an inspector personally there to make sure of that. And I haven't really seen what their process is going to be for ensuring that that is actually the case and that those rules are followed. Um, more than that, because the food is cooked, um, there won't, it won't be required that they have labels that say they were made in, you know, in China or, or anything like that. They can go around the um, country of origin disclosures for food. So um, it will be hard for people to even find out if the chicken they're eating is one of these chickens that was raised in Canada, sent to China to be processed and sent back. Um, one of the issues a lot of people have is that although China does have a lot of regulations about trying to make their factories and processing as healthy and clean and safe as possible, they have a very high number of outbreaks um, with avian flu, and there's been a lot of incidences of contaminated food causing poisoning and even death and things like that, and they've been a little slow to report it. So there's a, that's the main concern that people have about it, as far as I can tell. Well, I mean, so I have a little bit of knowledge about that, which is that, so the deal is that chicken was banned from China because of, I think it was bird flu concerns, mm -hmm. and now... Um, the Trump administration has worked out a trade deal because we want to sell off our beef to China. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to take their poultry products now. So, you know, of course, because there are concerns, there's a special commission to convince everybody that the chicken is extra thoroughly mm -hmm. inspected. Yeah. And on one hand, I mean, there's a cynical side of me that goes, I don't trust these people. Mm -hmm. And then there's a practical side of me that goes, yes, you do. Because mm -hmm. you eat USDA approved whatever all the time, you mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. So why are you going to believe your government over here but not over there kind mm -hmm. of thing? I see. The yeah. thing that bugs me about it is that they don't have to um, announce country of origin on the chicken, mm -hmm. which I think is really weird because we have deals with other countries where they have to, like, the bananas have to say that they come from Ecuador. And it's like, if a banana has mm. to say it comes from Ecuador, shouldn't a chicken have to say it comes from China? Yeah, it's worth questioning why the exception in well, that case. Politics. Sure. You know, they, they want to make their trade deal. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The Ecuadorian banana people didn't have the same leverage the same at leverage, the time, yeah. I guess. <laughs> well, so anyway, yeah, that's going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this has to do with the industry and big industry. And like I said, we're going to be talking more about that later. So. so our next curiosity has to do with some chicken fortune tellers trying to look into the future of backyard chickens. So do you ever wish you could have a crystal ball and just tell the future? Some people... Um, tried to look into the future several years ago in 2008. And guess what they said? They said that the backyard chicken movement was a bunch of baloney. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Can you That's believe it? I can't believe it. There's this big article we saw that said it was all just a bunch in of Slate hype. magazine. Yes. <laughs> yep. 
The backyard bird thing is a bunch of baloney. That's bunch the of article. Bogus baloney. Media hype. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I just wanted. Uh, I'm. I'm the. I'll admit. I'm the one that found this in the news, <laughs> and I just wanted to put it in because it really just shows how, you know, how there's naysayers for everything. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, in 2008, it was obvious to me that backyard chickens were getting huge. Mm-hmm. All you had to do was look at Craigslist and go, "Wow, they want $25 for birds that were $5 a couple years ago. What is going on here?" Yeah, it's and it's interesting. Once more people find out about that, what's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. Because I'll tell you what I did. I went, "Hey, yeah, uh, let's let's make some more chickens here." I can make <laughs> So that probably means the birds I have are worth $50 a -hmm. piece. And sure enough, they were. So I started, you know, breeding chickens. Hey, $50 birds. So uh, there was this one statistic on here that was funny. And I just wanted to give the other reason I wanted to mention this story is because it really gives an idea of the explosion in the movement because they have some numbers here. Let me see if I can find it. Right. So. Probably you guys have heard of um, BackyardChickens.com, big, giant mm, yeah, website, I certainly all have. things chicken. Yeah. Um, so they said that the size of the community at that site was 19,000 people. You guys want to guess how many people it is now? That was 2008, so nine years ago. Let's see. What what number did I tell you it was? I think it was 300 and something thousand. 340,000 so people. Just amazing. Yeah. 3 from 19,000 to <laughs> 340,000. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds like a pretty big That's explosion a lot of to me, <laughs> especially if you want to consider like the rate of increase in popularity in raising chickens over say the last 100 years, mm-hmm. which is yeah. to say pretty much a rapid decline. I mm-hmm. mean, everybody had chickens until World War II, and then we stopped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And started phasing that out, and then it's just recently started to shoot back up. Yeah. So yeah, obviously there is a real trend. If that website goes from nineteen thousand members to three hundred and forty thousand, you know, um, anybody looking at Craigslist can see it. There's the news is full of stories about people having to make laws about backyard chickens. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think it's safe to say slate that it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool though. You could read it. It's bogus trend of the week, raising backyard chickens on slate. And they actually have a pretty lengthy article citing many, many reasons why they think that logically they have an explanation for why they think backyard chickens is just a big sham so it's kind of interesting you know they have some pretty good arguments in some cases and they're totally wrong so yeah <laughs> goes to show <laughs> you good arguments don't mean you're sometimes. right yeah, yeah yeah you just never know so yeah Alrighty, and let's see what else are we going to talk about yes the next the next thing is quite a sad thing and i don't like to go into the tragic articles too much but yeah. we just had to on this count because, because we've seen so much of it every week i search for articles and um it's very common to see that some really big poultry factory has caught on fire and it got or us thinking backyard or something mm-hmm. yeah it got us thinking every um, time i look yeah, why does this happen so frequently? And I guess this this happened again in York, String, York Springs, Pennsylvania. And um, 
more than a hundred thousand chickens died in a fire. So hundred and ten thousand, according yeah, to other articles yeah. I read, a hundred and ten thousand birds. birds. I mean, just try to visualize that in your mind for a second. I don't want to. That's a lot. It's a terrible tragedy. Yeah. And yeah, so. There's got to be a way to prevent this, though. This happens so often. It must be some sort of flaw in the practices of the, the poultry farming industry. So um, I just kind of wanted to, to interject a little bit into this. Um, I know it's been discussed before, like profit margins, and it's pretty common for you know businesses like these to try to look at where they can cut corners. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you're having so many other costs, such as like biosecurity. You know, maybe the their thoughts are more or less like, well, we could install this, um, you know, fire safety stuff, but honestly, like, what's the chance of that happening? Versus, you know, the very real chance of them getting a bunch of bacteria that they don't want in there. So Mm. that's much more of a high risk than them for fires. So maybe just addressing like, hey, fires are real. You know, electrical fires are relatively Mm. common. You know, something goes wrong. Your whole building goes up. So, you know, maybe this is kind of a message to, you know, industries and also to, you know, backyard farmers, any actually any level of farmers to, uh, you know, kind of check in, like, hey, am I following through with fire safety? Am I checking right. my wires? You know, uh, and I think this also kind of expands outside of industry as well, as far as like other buildings mm-hmm. and people just not considering fire safety. Yeah, yeah. So every week I see a story in the news about some, uh, you know, it's usually small or medium scale chicken operations and mm-hmm. it burns down and occasionally the outbuilding spreads to the house and mm-hmm. the, these poor people, they lose their whole house. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to say this, but just to say it, you know, stop putting heat lamps in your chicken coops, yeah. guys, unless you live somewhere like Vermont or something yeah. where it is effing cold and your birds will die. Just stop doing it. I live in California, and it's summer, and I've seen people with the red light on at night in their chicken coop, and it's like, your bird has a sweater on. It's 60 degrees outside. What are you doing? They can thermoregulate very, very well. They're very good at that. They they have muscles in their individual feathers that can lift them up for more or less insulation, depending on the heat or cold requirements for their body temperature so they're they're wonderful at controlling this themselves the only time you really want to worry about it is when it's um you know frostbite might be an issue but Uh, that's pretty extreme weather for that to be a concern just make make your coop more insulated you know Mm -hmm. um gosh is here's the thing when you raise chickens it makes stuff you know shavings feather dander Mm -hmm. little just whatever you've got in there dried food and if you don't keep that clean it makes these little pockets of tinder everywhere and then you've got this electrical cord running in there yeah especially hay big piles of hay what could be more flammable than that there and this lamp that gets ridiculous hot clipped to something with this kind of marginal clip that holds mm-hmm. on to things unless a bird hops onto your lamp mm-hmm. or steps on the cable or yeah 
does anything which by the way it. with chicks is very common i've raised chick uh, baby chicks uh, quite a few times and they love to get up on the heat lamp because it's the highest perching area in their right. enclosure so right. they do that and then they knock it down so so you get all this stuff kicked up into the air that starts accumulating and accumulating on the top of the lamp and then that thing's like 125 degrees mm -hmm. very flammable very very hot and you know folks if you get anything down in a light socket so that the connections of the bulb to the socket aren't proper it makes the electricity start to arc that's fire mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know just really ask yourselves is it worth burning down my chicken coop to keep my birds toasty warm mm -hmm. when they're fine as it is just wait wait a while to put them outside in the cold weather keep them indoors where you can you know just do the extra little bit of work to keep an eye on them until they're ready to go outside without the heat lamp because um you know more visibility more interaction with the chicks more chances to check on the enclosure and what's going on in there is going to improve your chances right. of not having that happen and you know avia has a great point you know people have this tendency to ignore the improbable high disaster mm -hmm. except the problem is that when it happens it's a big disaster and when it's becoming more uh, high frequency event as we're seeing there must be um, maybe it's not as improbable and as people once thought i'm not saying that these people in this story did anything negligent no, but imagine if it's if this happened because somebody had cut corners mm -hmm. on their electrical system they lost a hundred and ten thousand lives and and that's a, uh, a lot of suffering and their building yeah it's horrible with horrible. everything in it all that equipment i, I bet you anything gone. they'd look back and say i if i could go back and change you know those corners you think they, they had away. fire insurance uh, <laughs> i don't know that's a good for question. their chicken coop mm. probably not I, I hope so yeah. yeah yeah so let this let this and if you need a reminder go look on the news be a reminder to you electrical fire hazard is real it burns down people's chicken coops and mm -hmm. kills their birds all the time mostly to provide services for the birds that aren't needed mm -hmm. And, actually uh, really needed yeah and heat lamps alone if they fall down or become come in contact with something flammable are enough to start a fire without any sort of electrical malfunction so yeah that's right yeah. Mm -hmm. yep well so that's that's, so that's it, it for our yes, news for segment our the cabinet gloomy chicken cabinet of curiosities this week but well i thought it was pretty funny it. being told that the backyard <laughs> chicken what movement was a I think the slate is full of baloney. You know what their problem is? <laughs> What's their they problem? haven't met enough chickens. No. Chickens they are very just, convincing. I think that the folks at Slate need to cuddle some chickens and mm -hmm. think about where they went wrong. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Become enthralled with chickens. Enslaved. Yes, yes. enthralled. Yes. Enslaved. <laughs> that's, that's where that word's from, folks. Look it up. Um, so let's shift gears and we're gonna go over to avia hi avia hello so i bet you didn't expect that you were going to be interrogated about what you learned <laughs> at college by <laughs> your father in front of an audience <laughs> and that he would cleverly disguise it as an entertaining interview but here we are <laughs> so young great. lady what did you learn in school today 
-hmm. Well, um, so, you know, uh, covering like the intro information, you know, uh, understanding the different types of enclosures in the industry and, you know, all of the words on the boxes on the egg cartons, like free range, cage free, all of that stuff. Right, right. So, and I'm going to interject here and there just to make sure that everybody can keep up. So what she's talking about is there's a new panoply of, uh, what would you call them, cell ideas on the egg cartons, slogans. you know, slogans. Well, they're, you know, cage-free, what are some organic, um, what are some other ones um, that we use to sell those uh, things? Pasture. Pasture. Yeah. Yes, pasture-raised, uh, all these things. And what they mean isn't necessarily self-evident. Right. So yeah. we're going to, and just, you know, because I was teasing Avia here, um, the reason why um, I decided to have her on the show is because her and I had a phone conversation in which she told me a number of things that I found kind of surprising about the industry. So I thought that, you know, let's have her on the show to talk to the audience about it. So, yeah, tell, tell me about that stuff. What's oh. going on behind the scenes? Right. So I think, uh, you know, it's kind of important to first notice, like, what the industry wants their buyer to think. So sure. you go into the supermarket and you see all of these eggs. You see, you know, the ones that are really cheap, affordable, um, no information about the housing. Uh, and then you have, you know, your cage free and then you have your free range and then you have like your pasture raised where you can imagine the flocks of chickens running around, flapping around and enjoying mm -hmm. themselves running in the sun. Right. Uh, but what you don't think about is, you know, uh, disease. Like if I eat that snail, am I going to die in a few weeks from gapeworm? Like you don't necessarily mm. think about those things. And, uh, you know, th so what I'm going to get into is basically quality of life so that you can decide how you want your meat or your eggs, uh, you know, the, the chicken it came from, how you want their quality of life to be so you can make the best decision um, uh -huh. and be informed. And I think that's, you know, really important. So even though like I'm talking about these things, I highly encourage people to do their own research um, because you should try to gather as much data on the farms if you want to, if that's important. Makes sense. Yeah, so I'm gonna go over free range, uh, cage and cage free outdoor range um, types of housing. So, you know, with the free range, it's, you know, you, you think it's going to be this little magical fairy tale for the chickens, but, you know, people don't really consider that, you know, birds will injure each other, you know, accidentally, intentionally. Um, and chickens in particular are super cute, but in large numbers, they actually get highly cannibalistic, which, mm -hmm. uh, you know, turns their little meadow into kind of like a nightmare escape. Um, so not going to go into that a whole lot, but, you know, easy enough to say they are hostile and will hurt each well, other. Well, I think I <laughs> might be able to shed a little light on that subject for people. Here's something to think about. You know, what I've heard is that the chicken is actually the closest living relative to the Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> Have you heard that? <laughs> yes. So imagine a field of little tiny Tyrannosaurus Rexes. <laughs> Does that sound like a kumbaya situation? <laughs> Pro Look, probably not. 
thousands of little velociraptors all packed in together. Well, and is that kind of the situation? I, yeah, yes and no. I think that you know chickens in the wild normally don't you know survive in high number flocks like penguins yeah yeah like penguins yeah so which are cute and waddly um yes they are so you know when you're thinking about these chickens you know having socialization is important but how much you know so going back to like cutting corners in industry the free range uh companies will often like cram as much birds as possible and basically as soon as you have uh, any amount of large flock they're going to become more hostile so because of that, you know, how do you how do you manage your chickens uh, from killing each other? Uh, you know, so you have like beak cutters that, you know, it's considered de-beaking and it basically like cuts their beak off and cauterizes it. Um, and that's uh, that's really brutal. And they end up. So just to sorry. drive the point home to make sure nobody missed it, basically. Free range is a synonym for beakless. Um, no, I, no. I think that that gets down to the individual, um, company and if they choose to, so they do, that, to do that, they don't have to, um, Just a lot of but a lot of them do because basically like, would you rather have your birds together or have a few dead birds lying around? And if you have a few dead birds lying around, then you have disease and then mm. you have free range. So like the likelihood of them getting to the injured bird is dramatically lower um, so yeah, right. you, you will see in large scale operations, um, de-beaking, um, and then also like comb trimming because they'll, and like waddles, cause they'll just rip them off. Um, and you know, uh, it's kind of like a preventative thing. It's like, should I do this when they're babies and will forget, right. but suffer the consequences later, such as like de-beaking and trying to eat later on? Um, or do I wait until they're too old and then something happens so hmm. in most cases you know large industry is going to be like let's take this you know baby Proactive. and do this now yeah sure so um, which makes a certain amount of internal sense as disturbing as people might right think about it well that's know? also when you do like the vaccines you just sure. basically try to get it all done at once the bird has a really bad day uh and you know can suffer consequences later but right. um okay so so that being said uh you know so when so free range is kind of like a mosh pit. Yeah, actually, uh, it, and a lot like a mosh pit. <laughs> which is not um, what which people imagine. Which brings me to the next point. The Pantera concert was free range. Yeah, which yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which brings me to the next point, which is disease spreading. Speaking oh. of mosh pits, um, so you know you have your mosh and pit. Pantera. No, <laughs> just kidding. No. And you know, uh, you know, if any any animal gets its skin broken, you have blood. Blood transmits a lot of disease free range you don't have the ability to like isolate oh so what happens is one bird gets sick from something um and i'd like to to clarify this isn't pasture this is free range in a warehouse basically whoa wait hold on free range indoors indoors so it's like an indoors pantera concert so yeah and, and you know that's that's another misconception is like what is free range free range is packing hundreds and hundreds of birds into a building where they can walk around so it doesn't i mean it's not home home on the range no it's, no 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 that's i'm more, allowed to run back and forth that's uh, with bonking into a certain amount in of a mosh pit mates. yeah basically in a mosh pit and you can look it up you know look up uh free range 
chicken housing, you know, large scale industrial size. And okay. you'll see that there's a bunch of them. Okay. So free range does not mean outdoors. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean elbow room. Not necessarily. Right. Uh, I think you have to have a certain amount of like square footage per bird. So, so that's free range, which basically means you get to hurt each other, uh, and you have a lot of birds that have their beaks cauterized. Um, you have little to no control over like health, you know, because you can't just go catch a bird. Like if it's already on the ground, you can get it. But then it's too late. But probably. then it's too late. And how many of the other birds have eaten it? Because uh, oh, that's yeah. real. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's it's just bad news. Um, but then you know it's so glamorized, right? But, sure. But the they're marketing. not gonna. They're not gonna tell you that. Yeah, they're not gonna uh, volunteer. So that they're not gonna put a picture of that on the front of the carton. Right. No, you get the little hen in the meadow. Uh, that might be an interesting law. You just have to take a picture of what the bird's life is and, like. You know, and you stick can. it there on the carton. You know, you can go visit these places. You can go right. visit local farms. But uh, people but don't want to do I'll, that. I'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, next, then we have cages, which we've all, we've all heard about. We've all heard sure. about the, you know, birds that are crammed in, like, two or three at a time. Mm -hmm. uh, but the truth is, like, only some places do that. And yeah. now there are plenty of places you can look up uh, the regulations Mm -hmm. and see uh, so that like i said make your own judgment on what kind of you know birds you want mm -hmm. uh, your eggs from but like the benefit with that is that then you can just go and do your cage checks which is what i had to do uh when i was doing an internship at the poultry facility at davis mm -hmm. um and we just run through run up and down do health checks do food checks do water checks and that allows us to be able to look at every individual bird Mm -hmm. and then see how it's doing see if it's responsive yeah. you run a stick across the cages and they will go nuts for that stick and try to attack it if they don't and they sit in the back of the cage maybe there's a problem right um you know so but on the other end of the spectrum you end up getting like foot sores and um you know them not being able to move around as much can be kind of you know sad uh um, sure it's you know. not the image people want to have in their right. heads either. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, with that, you end up uh, being able to control pecking, which is a pretty big problem. Like right. I said, with the free range birds, they end up pecking each other. Um, and then you also don't have to deal with the hostility, whereas like any free range or pasture, you have to control their light in order to keep them calm. So hmm. like on top of dealing with pecking with the uh, free range, you have to like limit their sunlight and only give them a certain amount of hours of daylight a day. Uh, and that really will decrease their chance of um, being hostile and it decreases hmm. the cannibalism is hmm. the amount of daylight they have. Interesting. Yeah. Why? Do you know? Um, you know, uh, I was told and I honestly can't remember. I think uh. it has to do with agitation of some hmm. sort um the longer the day is the more aggro they get well i definitely have felt that way <laughs> i was gonna say so, i felt that really, way yes in fact i've what, uh, some of my jobs it i felt that way so long that indeed i almost did turn cannibalistic <laughs> so it's totally understandable it's just i'll just eat my coworkers. then i don't have to deal with them so kind of to like reiterate with cages you know you can monitor your birds 
Uh, you can treat them if they have any sort of issue. Um, you can also observe their behaviors to see sure. if they're acting weird. They're all isolated and available to you. Right. And you can control their pecking. You can also alternate between roosters and hens to decrease like any fights that might be going on. Yeah. So I read this study that shows that showed that um, hens peck each other less in the presence of a rooster that they, they had this flock that they were studying and they were counting the peck rates mm -hmm. and then when they added a rooster to the flock the rooster challenged the alpha hen and won of course and then um after that the peck rate for the whole flock went down huh yeah, I, I can't say I'm super surprised about that. So it got me thinking. They like order. <laughs> you know, and I didn't realize that they'd already done this, but it got me thinking, you know, with the with the caged birds, what if you just had, like, a row of roosters? Yeah, or they do that. maybe you could even just have, I don't know, a big video screen picture of a rooster. Big, big, roos <laughs> big rooster is watching you, and then they'll stop pecking each other because big rooster is watching them. Or at least it'll you know? go down. I mean, there's also like the pecking where they're like, "Oh, you have a spot on you. Let me get that." Well, sure, that's. Oh, oh, now you're bleeding. Let me keep getting. There's that. a yeah. certain amount of yeah. There's a certain amount of just... unavoidability of that because it's the nature of the bird is just right. to peck at each other. You know, and then you can also space them out. You can like uh, when I was working at the poultry facility, we would go hen, 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 rooster, or like alternate. Um, mm. And then when there was like a lot of pecking, we'd just take one bird and we'd throw it in one of the cages where there wasn't a bird next to it. And, you mm -hmm. know, um, it's really kind of sad that they can't really run around uh, or, you know, super socialize. And yeah. it's kind of grim to see. But like when you think about how much they'd mess each other up, like right. I think honestly, like I'd prefer my birds to be healthy and it's not you know they don't really understand like a quality of life decrease because they never had that right to begin with so you know as far as as that goes you know you can kind of you know think okay well maybe like outdoor pasture like then you get the grass and then you get the sun and right so uh, you know going into you know our pasture raised which personally I always bought pasture raised, raised eggs because I thought that that was you know, the happiest, the happiest sure. chicken. And that's kind it of nice. what I'm concerned about. Yeah, it yeah. sounds nice. Um, but ruining You're that. You're going to tell me it's not, <laughs> aren't you? Okay, let's hear it. Um, so we have the cage-free outdoor range. So basically imagine a super large barn. Um, sure. You know, they don't sleep outside in these these cases. Um, super huge, like can park like, several like, airplanes in it, right? That's um, what you're talking enough enough airplanes like it's yeah. it's big you know right. uh you have to manage you have to realize it's industrial scale so we're gonna right. be talking like hundreds and hundreds of birds uh so then again you get the issues with pecking um so we're taking all of that from the indoor free range so pecking mm -hmm. aggression same issue yeah except it's kind of even worse now because now you can't control for like wind mice and like other animals coming into the enclosure, you know, right. like predatory birds, like right. birds of prey will swoop down and they will eat your chickens. Sure. It's annoying. Um, <laughs> Especially for the chicken. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's just not good for anyone except for, I guess, the bird that yeah. ate them. Um, Hawk, hawks down. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we are going to, you know, we're saying that the parasites like can't be controlled. 
So bugs. Right. Uh, actually, this happened to an outdoor bird of oh. mine um, that got gape worm, which is just from eating in infected snails. Uh, so it can be as simple as one little snail walks by, your bird goes, ooh, and eats it, and then it's going to die in a few months or less. Right. Um, so with the cage-free outdoor range, we have you know all of that terrible stuff from the regular free range, but in the addition of you can't really control your disease. Um, and you know you think oh but then they have foraging at least that's good but we all know chickens a few chickens can destroy a backyard like just give them right a, like yeah, a they, few they weeks they will tear that apart nuked the bejesus out of our yard in oakland yeah now multiply that by hundreds thousands right you know you're not gonna go plant seed well so that's what <laughs> i wanted to ask you as you were talking about the risk of the birds eating a bad snail or something like that and is it like Mice. is there anything around after thousands of chickens pour out of a barn every day into a field and just i mean don't they just annihilate everything you know uh honestly i have seen very few that are industrial scale that can handle that unless you have a lot of land or you're rotating mm. so like maybe if you find a farm that does pasture raised but mm. you know rotates the flock around to different like quadrants of the property you like want to Joel Salatin does that yeah, yeah yeah um so that that'd be good and then also just having fewer birds yeah so what I keep hearing from you I think is that it doesn't matter what you do with them populations of chickens absurdly above what I'm just going to call their natural tribal capacity is bad for them yeah uh which is where like the cages are actually super helpful and then the option is to artificially create that tribal isolation with cages mm -hmm. but then that in turn comes with its own series of issues right like the foot sores right and just you know it right not being yeah. able to run around so avia how do i get happy chicken eggs <laughs> Well, because um, it sounds like I'm not that I've got this little fantasy in my head that I can have guilt free, happy chickens uh, and just go to the store and buy chicken eggs. So how do I that are, you know, that I'm not going to have to answer to uh, Shiva for, you know, <laughs> later. So how do I uh, how do I do that? Well, so uh, I think it's important to note that everybody has the right to make their own decision as far as what quality of life mm -hmm. uh they would want their eggs from birds you know so mm -hmm. you don't necessarily have to be like it's you're only a good person if you get happy chicken eggs like let's not no. just limit it to eggs eggs and meat so eggs and meat yeah um so you know if that's the kind of thing you want if you really care that the eggs came and the meat came from happy chickens yeah uh then honestly like the best thing you can do is do your research find maybe if you can whoa whoa wait you want me to do work <laughs> whoa i mean i said i cared but <laughs> come on really i mean if you are really passionate about it then yeah like we're talking about quality of life if you care about quality of life then you should probably do some research. And if you realize that research is too much work, then you probably don't care about as much quality of life as you thought. As you'd like to as, think. As you'd like to you think. You do. And, you know, that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, like, that's okay. Like, you know, everyone has the right. Um, so you could easily go find a neighbor that raises chickens. As we discussed, backyard chickens are a thing. They're great. 
um, then you can actually know the bird. Like, oh, this egg came from... Talk to my neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yes, talk to your neighbors. Yeah, so uh, talk to your neighbors. If they have chickens, maybe negotiate a deal where you can buy some eggs or buy some meat if they're raising meat chickens. Mm -hmm. And then you can know everything down to like the feed, which is yeah. pretty cool. Their names. And their names, yeah. This, this was Bob. And mm -hmm. Bob led a really great chicken life and ran around and ate lots of cool things. Have you seen that scene from Portlandia where they're at the restaurant? Yes. Ordering? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. Um, but, you know, uh, what, what comes with that is limited availability. Maybe you're not sure. in an area that has them. In yeah. which case, then hop you on. you have to do some work. Yeah, then you have to do some work. Um, but, you know, uh, I think it's important to know that there are also downsides with that, such as salmonella. A lot of people are concerned yeah. about salmonella and um, to address that you can actually buy a kit for 30 bucks and do some testing so really yeah uh, you can get hmm. them online I just looked at some <laughs> yeah and, and what is that test the eggs um, yeah you can you can test like the area that the chickens are in. so the soil too yeah so you can just do there a, you go folks a full test and all those people that have been fear-mongering on the news about the salmonella outbreak if you're really freaked out about that go buy a test kit uh, and it's also important to note that salmonella is actually like in the ground too like right. you don't just get it from little lizards that run around like that's a pretty big misconception you can find it in your dirt so uh you know making sure that you do a couple tests maybe yeah. every six months or so sure and uh that's probably something that you know whoever you're buying from would probably want to do so they can at least say that they tested them yeah you know that's a good point folks if you want to market your eggs uh even though you know your chickens don't have salmonella go cough up 30 bucks you're selling your eggs for what three five dollars a dozen these days maybe six it's 30 bucks and then you can tell all your customers i'm organic and i test yeah and uh you know getting further into that we have the situation where we have a bunch of meat coming from somewhere that maybe we're not too sure about and right. we can use that definitely as a way to you know brand yourself locally at least sure sure yeah, well, I, I just generally, in principle, think that local is better. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Joel Salatin's um, food with the farmer's face on it slogan. You know, he, he says, you know, if you want to eat healthy, if you want to eat responsibly, you know, you, you need to know what the person that grew it looks like you know and that means going to farmers markets talking to your neighbors stuff like that mm -hmm. and i just want to you know jump up on the pulpit a little bit and say there are many forms of capital in the world besides financial capital there's social capital there's community capital and you actually build these alternative forms of capital when you do things like buy stuff from your neighbors or from the local farmer or stuff in a way that is different than buying a frozen chicken that was thrown in a shipping container uh, and sent overseas from China. Right, definitely. So there's other reasons besides just your health 
and the well-being of the chickens to do that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, also if you want to get kind of more involved and, you know, you've decided, oh, maybe I don't necessarily want to deal with weeding out people, the, the idea of, you know, maybe having your own chickens is definitely on the table, you know? Sure. And you know literally everything. And, yeah. And uh, get, get your own free food, more or less. And you have... Um, a small cadre of very awesome critters around to entertain yourself and you can teach them to tra play piano and all sorts of fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, if only you knew a really great podcast that could help you out with that. That'd right. Be pretty convenient. Yes. I'd say. Yes, it would. Well, <laughs> um, Avia, uh, we're going to have to call it a episode pretty quick here. Um, Anybody you want to say hi to while you're on the show out there in the world? Yeah, uh, actually, my poultry professor, who is actually the facility manager at the poultry facility, really um, at UC Davis, at UC Davis, was really fantastic and taught me a lot of what I know now and how to take care of my own birds. And so I'd just like to say thank you to Jacqueline Piseni. Um, she was amazing. She took out so many hours of her time to do an internship that you know was three hours of working with students uh just just for me at least you know so multiply that by 14 that's like countless hours of teaching uh and you know really valuable stuff and uh, also i'd like to say thank you to my sorority big karina hisson who i am super proud of because she recently just graduated with uh, a degree specializing in poultry and congratulations. actually, yeah, definitely congratulations. And she actually just got offered a job for, by Foster Farms working as a grow out manager. So uh -huh. that's a, it's a pretty big deal in the poultry world. So Dr. Piseni. Piseni and yeah. Karina. Yes. All right. Uh, Avia, thank you for coming on the show and giving us a broad overview of the different issues in raising poultry and uh, poultry products. I, I think that that was very instructive. And, um, you know, I've heard people talk about this before, and I heard a couple things that I didn't. I mean, gosh, you think, what was it, pasture is really indoors? Uh, no, just free range. Like, just free if they range. say free range, that doesn't necessarily right. that, specify. That was it, range. You would think that range sort of implied, like, out in a rolling grassy field or not mm. in, like, a, yeah. So anyway, thanks for uh, shedding some light on those topics. That was really informative. Yeah, thank you. And of all the best in your continued studies there at <laughs> UC Davis. Thank you. I'll need it. <laughs> all right. Excellent. Okay, folks. So uh, I hope that you've enjoyed the show today. Um, and if you have, uh, I'd appreciate you leaving us a review on iTunes. That does a lot to help other people find the show and participate in this fun project here we have called the Twin Beaks Chicken Podcast. You can also visit us on Facebook at the Twin Beaks Chicken Church and just the Twin Beaks page. Um, stop by at the group page and share a picture of you and your chickens or just say hi uh i post a lot of stuff there that i can't really use on the show for various reasons but i still think is a lot of fun also you can go to our website twinbeakschickenpodcast.com 
com where you can read all of the summaries of the various episodes and I post articles there about different subjects um, how to take care of chickens various specific illnesses uh, articles about I, I tend to want to write articles I tend to save specific things for articles and leave the more you know like I'll write an article about the silky. I might not do a whole show about the silky. So anyway, that's where you can find those kinds of articles. Also, we've got a lot of fun art and photos there um, and a forum that I'm really hoping is going to fill up with people and we can all start trading chicken tips and build that knowledge base. You know, We can all really help each other with different kinds of chicken problems and stuff like that, debate the issues, and uh, share our chicken fanaticism there at the forum I think that'd be awesome um, and also you can get in contact with us directly directly also through the website there at the contact us page and let's see Amber has a incredible library of chicken photos on on Pinterest? Yes, the uh, Twin Beaks Chicken Podcast on Pinterest has many Victorian and fascinating old photos, all kinds of very obscure and interesting things you might not find anywhere else having to do with chicken. That's right. Where else can you get a photograph of a genuine, authentic, Victorian-era sex finder for chickens? I love it. They're just spinning the little pendulum over an egg. You know. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, thanks for enduring the social media gauntlet. And uh, thanks once again for tuning in to the Twin Beaks Chicken Podcast. See you next week. See you next week. All right, all you kids out there. This is Andrew Bird's Bowl of Fire. And they're playing Cock of the Walk. Feathers look real mean. Be the old man of this year scene. I'm a stuck green and bantam rooster. Looking far, but I mean, I'm looking far, but hold on there, partner. My hat just ain't on right. Just a minute there, governor. While I said it right, it's a half turn left, a half turn right. This old thing used to be bright white. I'm stuck green and bantam rooster. Looking far, but I mean. Looking far by I went on down to Sparks Bar Town Put Mother Hen in a fry Took the 450 out of sin To see Pulaski at night And it's one for the money Two for the jack Three for the Joe you got to pay back 